Davos has become a parody of itself. All right. Back after a month and holidays. Yeah. It's been a while. We got through the holidays. We've all been sick multiple times. Yeah. It's been bad this year. Everyone's sick. Everyone. Multiple times. Everyone multiple times. Yeah. Just when I reminisce with someone about being over the main part of being sick. Um, you get sick. You get sick again. Yeah. yeah. You're not knocking on wood enough. <laughs> no, I have been. <laughs> I'm not superstitious, but I'm superstitious. Does that make sense? <laughs> You're a little stitious? <laughs> Maybe. That's enough. Like, I'll say I'm not superstitious and then I'll knock on wood just to, just like, what can it hurt? Yeah. It's like, what do they say? There's no atheists in foxholes. That's true. It's like, yep. Yeah, it's not going to hurt. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, let's see. Uh, we have release notes for a new... I don't know if we ever went over those, but we have a new release that's out now, right? So Spring 24 is out? And uh, thought that was next weekend. I well, it depends on... I think most orgs already have it now. Let's see. Let me just log into a random one. Um, yeah, nothing's working. Um, the, the sandboxes do. I think, they, I think they started getting rolled out like the first or second week in January. Oh. Let me see what we're on. What is that? Setup? Is it company information? <clears throat> Come on. Got these dumb pop-ups and setup. Don't don't ever do pop-ups and setup, people. Like people that go into setup have business to take care of. All right. How do you right? How do you see what you're on? <laughs> uh, I usually go into the partner API, which has the API number on it. I mean, I know I'm okay, here's my pod status. I can search for my pod, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this is, I'm on a, I'm on a hyperforce, unfortunately, man, those are slow. We were supposed to go this weekend and we apparently missed the email that said we were delayed until February 18th, um, which is weird because we got like a spam of like 30 emails because we have a ton of sandboxes and hidden within that was the production um, message as well. Yeah. Okay. So. Here are the release dates for Spring 24, depending on what instance you're on. January 12th, which was 10 days ago. February? 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 Well, I don't know how to say that, and I'm old. February 2nd and February 9th. Yeah, so February. Usually that first no, one is The first like, one was January 12th. Yeah, but usually that's like a very isolated group. I don't know. Um, like yeah. probably a lot of Salesforce instances get that first. Like <clears throat> Salesforce internal yep. in- instances. Yeah, I've been having, I mean, uh, various problems with Hyperforce, but the main one that affects me personally on a pretty regular basis is the bulk bulk jobs. Mm. They are, main, main problem is, is um, just they sit in like a queued status uh-huh. for 10, 20, 30 minutes. Huh. And when I'm trying to run a migration that has 60 different bulk jobs and I'm having to wait 10 to 30 minutes for each of them just to start. Yeah, it's I bad. mean, it completely changes the equation on how this is going to run. We're talking about almost like a multi, like at least a day thing versus something that takes an hour. Right. But that, and that's I created, an indication of an issue though, not, not the norm, right? It, no, that shouldn't be the norm. I mean, and the thing is, I, I mean, I know, you know, Salesforce, they, they monitor all this stuff. I mean, they, they know that it's a problem. They just won't admit it. It's not on status. Therefore, I don't trust you. Because you, well, you don't tell me the truth. They might, they might created, be technically admitting it by the fact that they keep pushing some of us 
out. Uh, this, this, this is the, like the third, oh. I think the second or third time that we've been rescheduled. For a Hyperforce upgrade? Yeah. yeah. Um, I created a case with Salesforce, but they just responded with, yeah, uh, here's a link to Stack Overflow that explains, you know, why bulk <laughs> jobs can sometimes be slow. I'm like, no, that's not what this is. Was that like from like 20, 20, uh, 20 2006 or something? Just like, I don't this know. Is not was Salesforce around 2006? Trust, John. Trust. Um, it's all about trust. Yeah. So anyway, we, we can go over some, if you want to, do you want to talk about any spring 24 features? There's uh, a, to be honest, I haven't really paid attention to this release very much. I haven't either. I, well, I, I mean, I should, and normally I would, but like, it's priorities, and my priorities are, are elsewhere right now. Yeah, I always feel like, I know I, I know I should stay on top of those, read, read release notes, all that kind of stuff. I just, I feel like, li- first of all, life is passing me by at a million miles an hour. Yeah. yeah. Um, personally and professionally, and it just, it's yeah. like, it seems like it's very hard, and I know I'm, it's part of my job to stay on top of that stuff, but it's, yeah. It's hard. Um, but the dev- uh, Salesforce developer blog um, did a pretty digestible thing of like stuff that writes to the developers. So I thought maybe we could go over some of those. Yeah. I mean, it's, <clears throat> it'll save me some time if we did. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we have our favorite event of the year, Davos. Yeah. Uh, we're going to all save the, save the climate by flying thousands of people in on personal private jets yeah you're getting ahead of yourself yeah now. i know um so that'll be fun it was it was very depressing did you did you listen to the um the Argent, argentine president Is speech the one with the rice argument rice i don't know you have to tell me this oh i'll have to tell you that one then. okay this no. one was just elected like a couple months ago Mel- melly or melee i don't know how to say his name is he the one that fired like like half the government probably he's like a hardcore libertarian yeah, I didn't hear what he said, but I know he fired a bunch of probably. He killed a lot of the departments they had. I think they went from like thirty to like nine or something like that. I mean, he flew to Davos on a with a commercial airline ticket. He flew commercial. <laughs> the audacity! I know. How dare you? Yep, making all the elites look bad. Um. Anyway, well, let's see. Let's start with. I mean, and also this. I just I have some items here, but. What vision you, Pro. No. Oh, Vision Pro. No, I, actually, so I haven't looked at that at all. And I know you were, I saw your comment about it, that you wanted one. Um, and I haven't even, I need to go back and watch the, it's probably like one of the, the, whatever, the most recent Apple event where they really go into detail and show, because I never watched that. But I did, in my news aggregator, um, something popped up the other day. Uh, I was actually over this weekend. And it was, talked about the, and I read the article about the Vision Pro, and it, it seems amazing. Yeah, they 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 read so they did do for the event announcement. They did kind of a walkthrough and kind of showed you the features, but then they kind of did it again when they announced the pre-orders with another walkthrough um, with someone who quote unquote had never used one before. Mm-hmm. To take that for what it's worth, but right, it, it did walk through the features and it it did kind of reinvigorate that excitement. I think that they that they got from the first time they they did that walkthrough. I, what I didn't notice the first time was how creepy the avatars were. But in this one, because you got such a close-up view of the avatar, because essentially what it does is it takes, a, takes your face and maps that to a, to a 3D model. Yeah. It's and looking at your face, right? Does it look at... Does yeah, it, it looks at your face. Like while you have the mask on. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it's got to replicate your face for FaceTime. Right. Because obviously, obviously you're not going to want to show, show your face with glasses. Yep. <laughs> or the goggles, sorry. Right. 
Um, but I thought it was just going to replicate your like your eye area where it couldn't see. But no, it looks like it's doing a full render of your whole upper torso. Yeah. Oh. And it's got that uncanny valley to it. Yeah. Did you see, um, this is a couple months ago, but Lex Friedman had Mark Zuckerberg on and they, they did um, whatever Meta's version of this. Uh-huh. And it's not shipping. It's just still just in like labs and stuff at that stage. But um, they sent some crew out to, <clears throat> to Lex Friedman's studio or house, wherever he lives in Austin, and um, did like the, the full kind of scan of his face and his body and everything. Mm-hmm. And so they did this whole like, you know, two or three hour Lex Friedman episode. Um, they were not in the same room. They were sitting across the country from, you know, they were across the country from each other. And uh, it was pretty amazing because, because, you know, it's on the YouTube. You can go to his video, his, all his podcasts are on, you know, they're video, they're on YouTube. They're video podcasts, I guess. Is that what those are called? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, yeah, it just looks like there's two dudes that looks just like them sitting across from each other, having a conversation. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it can only get better, I think. Yeah. Um, Especially if you can just kind of choose your body. That's true. Like, yeah. I want to be I like know. a green Hulk body or something. I know. Or maybe I can actually realize my dream of being Captain America. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, no, it, it does look cool. It just needs to get less expensive. Probably will, though. Do you think it will? I mean, Apple doesn't really lower know. prices it's, on things. It's a, it's a full-blown computer. It's a whole new device, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's not like an accessory. It's a, it's its own full blown computer. They're thirty five hundred. Yeah. And do you think Apple even makes any money on those? Or no, probably not. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. Anyway. Well, they might. I mean, like, they've never really. I mean, unless the product really fails, I don't know that they really lost money on a product. Well, because uh, even the iPhones when they first came out, they they didn't lose money because they subsidized a bunch of the cost with. Um, like AT and T and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, Apple probably has what hundreds of millions of not billions of dollars in in R and D in this thing. And, sure. And the question is, is you know, what does it cost to manufacture one? It first of all, is that less than thirty five hundred? If it is less than thirty five hundred, then they probably eventually would make money once they pay all that R and D back. But how many would they have to sell? Oh, that R and D is already gone. It's, it's already paid it's a back. Tax write off. <laughs> it is it is uh, it's already paid for itself yeah <laughs> tax write-offs i mean i mean they are one of the trillion valuation companies that pay barely any taxes and it's for things like that i'm sure yeah well you know you get the, you get the tax laws you you pay for <laughs> um so related to this there was an article um a couple actually almost actually a month ago over a month ago that was uh, about how uh, Salesforce is doing like an AR thing and also um, business messaging with, with uh, Apple and Salesforce. Did you hear about this? Well, sales, yeah, I mean, so not, not about that specifically, but Salesforce has teased AR stuff before. I think, I don't know. I think this might be something different than what you're thinking of. So, okay, let's take the first one, which is Salesforce is integrating service cloud with Apple messages for business and Apple messages for a business is apparently a thing. Um, in fact, it's a thing that gives customers the ability to connect with customer support, get personalized shopping recommendations, schedule appointments, complete purchases with Apple Pay, track shipments, and more, all within the Messages app. Um, agents can efficiently manage these conversations in Service Cloud and access customer data for fast resolution. For example, a retail customer can chat directly with a business in Messages 
for personalized uh, personalized AI driven product recommendations and to inquire about sizing, inventory status, returns, etc. Unlike live chat experiences, the chat session will continue even if the customer navigates away and returns. Yeah, so that's one thing. Cool. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, the the times I've had one of these, I think Apple business chats. The only time I've ever had it is with like at the Apple store when I have like they'll text me and hey, have you ever done that? And it's like it shows up as a completely different mm-hmm. on the sidebar, like color. It's like black or something. Yeah, you can definitely tell. Okay, this is something special. And then one time I, I had a question about my Apple Card, and which is going away. Oh, it is really. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I, I think they they're having a dispute with the bank that uh, issued it or something. Yeah, it's uh, Goldman Goldman Sachs. Yeah, I mean that might just change. They might just change banks. I don't know, but um. But anyway, so I, I, so I called. Away, but maybe okay. so. I don't like that five percent discount I get. I just bought. I a, think that's part of the problem. <laughs> I just bought a brand new Mac Mini, um, and I'm uh, going to get five percent back, hopefully. But, but um, it was the same. Um, oh, I called Goldman Sachs to, with a question about my Apple Card, and then there I forget they started a case or something. But then I get a text from them, and it was also one of these special black text and i think it showed it was like apple support or whatever so i'm, I'm assuming when you're talking to an official business like it'll show up specially oh, maybe. in messages yeah like you'll get a salesforce and a <clears throat> maybe a cloud icon or like cloud bubble yeah I mean, salesforce <laughs> has moved a lot more into into retail and it's, you know they bought that commerce they bought uh what the commerce thing was it's commerce cloud now and of course with service um service cloud i um, mean salesforce you said apple shoot yeah salesforce sorry in fact, it's uh, in Davos. I mean, Benioff's talked. I mean, he loves his luxury brands so much. By the way, I don't know if you know, but uh, he owns a lot of luxury products. <laughs> but anyway, he talks about um, like Gucci and some of these other ones. How like he serves Salesforce does all of their service centers and contact centers or whatever. Um, so yeah, Salesforce definitely definitely did a lot of this retail service business. Because yeah. uh, the next one was the AR thing, and it says. Uh, yeah, so AR kit enables field service teams with augmented reality capabilities within the Salesforce field service mobile app, which I'm sure is fantastic. Uh, with the AR kit, field te- technicians can easily create detailed 3D renderings of large areas, measure spaces, spaces, and map objects using simple image capture, streamlining processes, and marking a technological shift in the field service industry. For example, a technician can plan an installation space to ensure a new refrigerator fits through the door and can be installed without any issues, increasing the efficiency and success of installation services. I do think that's, I mean, assuming that they integrate that well and, you know, do the right things with, and it's all about implementing AR kit, I guess, in your, Mm -hmm. in your app. Um, But that is, that's pretty cool. I mean, even just like the that measure app where you can just like point, you can open up your camera on your phone and like, mm-hmm. like I wanted to measure how wide my yard was the other day. Cause I'm like measuring how much like material I need to like whatever, do oh, stuff yeah. to it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just stand across, stood across the street from my house and pointed to my house and did the little ruler. And it told me how wide my yard was. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, pretty cool. It is. It's really cool. Yeah. A lot of math there. Um, and lastly, Salesforce is developing a new iOS widget for field service technicians. It will give field service technicians a quick view of key account information, such as upcoming appointments, work order details, and directions to their work site directly on their iPhone home screen, saving them clicks and valuable time. You know, some of these announcements, 
that Salesforce has, especially the ones with Google, they end up, you know, they make some big thing and just ends mm-hmm. up fizzling away. Nothing is like not even available or never, it never gets out of vaporware stage. But I, I feel like this is, um, this seems, this seems more real. I think because with Apple, like AR kit is our, and I, you know, the, as Apple's serious about AR kit and AR. Mm-hmm. And so the, so the, the SDK is probably really good. A, AR kit is probably good. Um, and I think also Apple's very serious about messages. I mean, they want they want more people locked into messages, obviously, mm-hmm. so they can sell more iPhones, and so you know they can ostracize uh, anyone who's not using an iOS product, right? Um, with the green bubbles and all that, <clears throat> shame them. Yeah. And so anything that Apple can do to get businesses locked into messages is a good thing for Apple. So and of th- course, Benioff would loves to be. Uh, he is an Apple. Seen as side to side, yeah. seen side by side with Apple. Yeah, well, you know he uh, he gave Steve Jobs. Of the course, app, so. he won't let us forget that. <laughs> um, so anyway, that was uh, the news on Salesforce's Apple partnership. Oh, I have a random other thing, a clip that I didn't mention to you. Um, see if I can. It's a, it's a YouTube thing. If your if your okay. business you hear that? Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, so this is uh that was interesting. I saw it on TV and I found the commercial on, on YouTube, but it's a, it's an IBM, I guess they're still using the Watson brand, even though Watson overall has been an, an embarrassment and a total money loser. <laughs> but this is uh, an ad about their code, Watson X code. Everyone's got a code assistant. Don't they realize that no one's going to make money on code assistants? No. Okay. Here we go. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If this sounds daunting, then use Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. IBM, let's create. Yeah, I call BS and all that stuff. And so you couldn't see it, and neither can uh, the listeners right now. But they were showing um, this young woman uh, coding in VS Code uh, on a Java project. Hmm. Cool. Nothing like a 30-year-old language to <laughs> to make it seem like your, your product is modern. <laughs> uh, to be fair, uh, and I love Java, and that's how I make uh, my money nowadays. But um, it's it's still a very modern language and platform. Java, Java? Is. oh yeah, well, yeah, they've kept it yeah. kept advancing. It. I mean, it's, yeah. it's more modern than Apex. Apex is stagnated. Uh, <laughs> Sorry for anyone working on Apex, but you know, you know what? I have, you know, you know what we're saying. I have some positive news about Apex. So you just hold your horses there, Mister. <laughs> <laughs> you guys didn't see the finger wag I just got. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should do a video podcast, John. Yeah, I have to clean my off my uh, studio up here, our, our luxurious uh, studio. Yeah. <laughs> no, we got virtual backgrounds for that. That's true. Oh, uh, that reminds me. I finally upgraded to Sonoma. Yeah. And uh, I test on our, we had our, like our weekly kind of get one get together call, Zoom call, uh-huh. the whole remote company thing, you know? And um, I did all the gestures and they, they're cool, man. You just like hold a thumbs up or a double thumbs up or a peace sign or two peace signs. They do, you know, thumbs up. What happens um, with the middle finger? There's, a, I don't know, but you, if you do, if you do this, um, yeah. it does like a laser show behind you. Yeah, what is that called? The uh, horns up or whatever, or what's it called? Uh, oh, rock on or yeah, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I always get like the UT thing mixed up because not that I like UT, but 
Well, you, you're supposed to have your thumb out because that's that's love. Okay, but if it's in, then that's the horns. Okay, so I originally tried it like this, which and, is, it, and it, which wouldn't, is, it wouldn't it wouldn't uh, accept it. I in had the to, modern sense, this is rock on. Yeah. Okay. But in the '80s, during the uh, the hyper Satanism thing, it was a satanic thing. Oh God, that was wasn't that funny? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> None of those guys were Satanists. No. It wasn't just an act, people. It's an act. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a way to, it was a way to, um, it was the counterculture is what yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're, you're against this, then I'm going to do that. Yep. You know? Um, well, this and I, and I, a fun twist. And this this continues the story, which I mean, I'm just I know I need to like just calm down and get over it. But how much Microsoft has changed just blows my mind. Still, um, oh yeah, yeah. So the most recent thing is Microsoft has just become Oracle's largest customer. Um, let me see if I have a. I think I took a couple of notes here. Okay. Microsoft has ordered 20 Oracle multi-cloud data centers to be built inside Microsoft Azure data centers. That's like a, yo dog, I heard you like data centers. (laughs) (laughs) Each one of those uh, Oracle multi-cloud data centers will include 2,000 Exadata database machines. Mm. Uh, Microsoft is paying Oracle, Oracle, they're actually paying Oracle for these data centers, and that's a lot of money. Second, uh, once those data centers are set up, Microsoft will be acting like a reseller for Oracle, because Microsoft's customers will be using Azure and its access to the Oracle database to buy or consume the Oracle database in the cloud. Yeah, that's smart. It's extremely smart. Um. Now Salesforce can can be on Azure too. Your hyper, you can choose your Hyperforce. And now AWS and, or, or Azure, right? Yeah. And this is um, another quote from there's a quote from a Microsoft exec that said, "Hey, we've we've picked Oracle OCI. That just means Oracle Cloud something, I guess. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure to help us do AI training and inferencing for the Bing search engine. Mm. So not only are they using it to like just to make give Oracle customers that are using Azure like badass experiences. And hey, if you're going to use Oracle, that's fine. Let's do it through Azure though, right? Mm-hmm. So we can get our cut. Um, but Microsoft is, u- is actually using Oracle, other Oracle products for their, for their own products. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, in late October, when Microsoft released its Q1 uh, earnings, Nadella was asked, what's behind this re-accelerated growth for Azure? And the reason he gave was that the Oracle database is now available there. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and this is this guy's opinion. There are many reasons why you could say that Oracle and Microsoft should continue to be arch rivals. They have nothing in common. Yet the leaders of these two companies have found ways to do the do things together that neither could do individually and drive great benefit for customers. They've broken the traditional rules and norms of how the tech industry goes to market ha- and how it operates. That's a way to create balance in the ecosystem, a uh, food chain of sorts. Yeah. Um, Again, it's just, it's so antithetical to what, to Microsoft pre-Nadella. Yeah. That was going to never happen. Never. No. That was all about brute force dominance. Yeah, and just uh, stubbornness and... and Ego. Um, yeah, EO. Yeah, that's, that's it. Ego. Yeah. 
you know, we're not we're not going to we're not going to send them a dime of business, even if it costs us billions of dollars in business. That that was kind of the attitude back in the day. We're in, we're we've entered the free love uh, portion of the uh, tech giant industry. Free love, free love, yeah. Just you know, they're just passing all these customers back and forth around to each other. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. What else? Let's do the developer uh, release notes. I right, so I told you that I had some good news on Apex. Maybe you've seen this, but we now have a. I guess it's a null coalescing operator. Oh, really? Yes. I've been waiting for that. Is that not the Elvis operator from other language? I know it's not the 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 symbol is different, but what's the symbol? It's two question marks. Okay. Yeah. Now, what does JavaScript do? Is it a question mark and a colon? Is it my, a colon or is it two question marks? Uh, it's actually you could do or. Oh, it's two question marks. Yeah. Okay, but you could also you can also do a boolean or, or and it'll resolve correctly. What do you, explain what you mean by that? Well, it, because it is an or. Because a null well, gets treated as false, so it'll it'll. Just, it, I don't know how it works, but you could do an or. Okay. <laughs> of course, I haven't I haven't done JavaScript in a while, so if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure you could just do an or, and that's what I've always done. I mean, it's a little thing, and honestly, it's a it's just a it's just a syntactical sugar thing. So for the Apex team, it's a short putt. No, but it's welcome. I, I, I mean, it, I, I can I know, tell you how I many know, know if null utility methods I have. Yeah. It's it's annoying. Yeah, and it saves you from having to write an if statement. You know. Yeah. But they have way bigger fish to fry on that team. I mean, it, for for those of us that are very defensive style programmers, it's it's welcomed to be able to avoid the null refs where possible. Yeah. Although some might argue that being too defensive ends up um, swallowing issues. Yeah. What well, also uh, it can create just obscure code overly complex code the more defensive you are yeah yeah depending on on your usage yeah mm-hmm. i just meant by just variable initial initialization and my main my main issue is that um so many of the types from uh salesforce data objects are nullable like booleans and things so yeah oh, it's, yeah so the- and i can't tell you how many how many um like I never if I'm reading directly from an S object a boolean value I never do if uh, let's say it's um is active I'll never do an if user dot is active I'll do a user dot is active equals true equals true which is unfortunate that you have to do- because that'll avoid the null ref error yeah because if you don't do a if you don't do a comparison and you just use the variable and let the compiler try to decide if it's null it'll throw an error that's another thing that's you know, since <clears throat> Java kind of, or since since Apex, uh, what's it called, branched from Java, um, which is a long time ago, but uh, Apex has been left completely in a previous generation by almost all languages in terms of null safety. Yeah. Although they did something, and I don't know when they did this, but for some reason... Um a lot of the null errors that used to come out of S objects have stopped. And I don't know when that happened. I used well, to remember they, it being are, a, a constant thing that I was guarding against. And then all of a sudden I don't have to do that. Are anymore. they being swept under the rug? What's happening? I don't know. Yeah. That's, like there were things I did in triggers. Like when you get something and I would check for null or like if you do like a subquery 
And if you try to access the variable for that subquery, it would used to be null. And it still is null, but it used to throw errors, and it doesn't seem to throw errors anymore. And I don't know when that happened. Like, yeah. I missed something somewhere, because I was sure it threw errors before. Yeah, Apex has no primitives, so everything's an object, which means everything can be null. Right. Right, yeah. Kind of a bummer. I mean, they, they really need to do, they need to have the option for non-nullable types. Non-nullable, um, oh, weird. Like non-nullable um, identifiers, not identifiers, variables and stuff like that. <clears throat> yeah. So that, I mean, it's basically doing the all the null checking for you. Before, right. You know, and prevents you from, I mean, like I, get, I do this like, I mean, really uh, Java nowadays, you know, they started, gosh, years ago, um, introducing stuff to improve null safety. Um, and then, of course, Kotlin was kind of born as a language with null safety built in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can kind of opt out of it. If you just if you declare all your types with a question mark at the end of it, that means it can be null. Right. But the idea is that you generally don't do that. Right. And then, so if you ever try to, like, say, call a call a method that you have that accept, you know, that expects a string. Um, when you call that method, if we, the value you're passing in can be null, then it will. It, that's not that won't compile. It's a compiler. It's like no, you can't. You can't call that method with this particular value you have because that method doesn't accept a null value. Requires mm-hmm. to be non-null, and what you've just tried to pass it c- can be null. Right. Yeah. So it kind of just pushes your null checks back to to the origin. Yeah, yeah. kind of the origin, so that you really kind of your whole code base is cleaned up. In yeah. A way. Um, okay. What else is new? So we have a new UUID system class, so you can generate UUIDs. Oh, that's nice. I could use that. Version four. We're on version four of UUIDs. I didn't know we had version one, two, and three. I mean, uh, you can now, this is is actually really useful. You can now make an HTTP callout after rolling back your DML operation, but you have to um, release a save point. So you set a save point Mm. through your stuff, but if you roll that save point back, you can then make callouts. Interesting. Yeah. It'd be another thing. Uh, can you still not do this? Like, I guess that could allow for some retry logic. Another thing that Salesforce could do that because in order it so in order to do a callout after you have some DML, you actually have to you have to roll that back. You have to roll the transaction back, and then you can do your DML. That's what this new thing is. Mm. But it would also be nice to be able to to just commit, like create a save point or whatever, and then commit that save point so that you don't have any kind of dirty open transaction so that you could then do a call out. I mean, Salesforce just doesn't want you doing call outs with transactions open, which I totally understand. Right. I mean, that's good. Um, but you should be able to commit a transaction in terms of a database transaction. You're still in the same X. Ex- See, this is, this is one that's really confusing in this space. Cause I feel like people use these terms very sloppily mm-hmm. you know, and Salesforce gets some blame for that. Um, but there's a difference between like an execution and a transaction. Usually they're one and the same. So like when a trigger fires, that's an execution. But also a a, a database transaction has been implicitly started for you. Um, now you can create additional save points within that, right? And roll those mm-hmm. things back and, and commit them and things like that. Um, but but usually, yeah, an execution is a transaction. But it'd be, like, a, like I said, it'd be nice though if you can, in, a, in your execution, if you can say, okay, here's my DML. And now I want to commit and, cl- and in that transaction. And now I can do some stuff that might be slow, like I'm doing a call out. I can see why they don't, though. Well, tell me why. Uh, because the limits are tied to the transaction, and you could easily chain 
But they're after that. Well, they should be tied to the execution. They're, they're pr- actually, you're probably wrong. Back to sloppy, sloppy use of this language. They're probably tied to the execution. Hmm. So you could still have your limits, like your overall 60 second limit for a, again, they say transaction. It's really an execution. Yeah, you're right. It might be execution because they do, they do make a distinction for the namespacing. So that would indicate trans, I'm sorry, execution versus transaction, wouldn't it? Because the uh, namespace would be within the transaction. I think now, am I, I think that namespaced, like if you have a trigger that fires and, and you've got a name, like a managed package that's doing some stuff in the, in a, in a transaction at that point, And then you've got your own, you know, non-managed code doing some stuff in that trans DML and stuff in that transaction. I think those all happen in the same transaction. Am, am I wrong about that? I yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not wrong. You're not wrong. They do. Yeah. Cause you can, can roll it all back. Yes. And it rolls the managed, yeah. you know, everything back. I don't know where I was going with that. You said you, I don't know. Well, I think I was trying to, trying to rationalize execution versus mm, transaction. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's, it's confusing. And I think in all of our heads, because these things get completely aliased in, in, in the, in the dialogue out there. Yeah. I think the only point I was trying to make is I think it would encourage some bad practices if they allowed you to close the transaction. But I think, how much does Salesforce need to protect us from ourselves? I mean, that's the that's the balance that needs to be had because we're not on our own dedicated res- uh, hardware. Yeah, I mean, I think they need to protect their resources, not not necessarily like our code. Right, and that's all the limits do is protect their resources. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, next thing, you can compress and extract zip files. Huh? Yeah. Zip writer class. Oh, that's going to open up so many things. What's the size limit? Um, I don't know. Let's see. Heap size, I bet. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's probably going to be, it's just going to inherit probably existing limits. Um, doesn't say. That could offer some creative uh, solutioning. I mean, it can actually probably help you stay under under certain limits, too. And also, just there's so many times where, like, you want to like take some existing files or some existing data in something, and then zip it, and then like email it or something. Yeah, that's super useful. Um, next one: construct and evaluate. F- construct and evaluate formulas at Apex runtime without using database CPU. Huh? Because you could always. Tell it to recalculate formula. Well, not always, but an existing it's, it's formula. A, can you could you create a new formula on the fly and like and then resolve it, like right there in your apex? Like right, create the formula, resolve the value without it ever using any database CPU. No, uh, that's a new thing that you could do formulas on the fly. Is that what this one is? Well, it says it's useful for ISVs to dynamically generate formulas uh, from apex code and objects. Yeah. So you actually, I mean, that's cool for an ISV because you could have, maybe um, you could have like your, uh, your app could allow customers to like create f- custom formulas, like formulas for different. Yeah. You don't need whatever. To, you don't have to abstract it that way. CPQ uses that everywhere. I mean, they use their own syntax and it just oh, needs okay. to be, I mean, I could see they need to re-engineer CPQ for that. <laughs> I think, and from what I hear, right? <laughs> yeah, we shall be one of that. That was a world I was completely oblivious to until a year ago, and mm. man, 
Yeah. I feel your pain. Anyone who's been out there working with it for years. I'm avoiding it. Um, all right. We have LWC enhancements, but these mostly will be lost on me. So the Lightning Web Components Workspace API is now available, making it easy to manage tabs and sub-tabs in Lightning console apps with Lightning Web Components. Previously, only Aura components were supported. Uh, we have a Lightning Record Picker. This, uh, Yeah, that's going to be nice. Yeah, it allows you to easily find and select Salesforce records. Yep. Um, you can upgrade your web components to version 60 to get better performance when using the spread and rest syntax. Spread and rest. Hmm. Um, anyway. A number of Lightning-based components use the browser's native Shadow DOM, starting in this new release, use the browser's native Shadow DOM instead of the synthetic DOM supported by legacy browsers. This means that component internals are now truly encapsulated. Um, but this can break some tests. So if you have tests or whatever that are poking into components to, to validate yeah. things, some white box testing, then that could break some things. So watch watch out for that. We're not that advanced yet. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not either. Uh, you can now <laughs> enable native Shadow DOM instead of synthetic Shadow for your custom LWC components using the new mixed Shadow mode, which is in beta. Hmm. Uh, additional ARIA properties such as ARIA Braille label and ARIA Braille role description now supported. And that's the LWC things. <clears throat> uh, this is cool. New Scratch Org snapshots. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Let you quickly replicate Scratch Orgs with required project dependencies. So, one of the slowest things, especially if you're building a managed package that depends on a bunch of other packages because mm-hmm. it has to, you know, you spin up a scratch George. Now you have to install yep. all the, all the required packages, which for some of these packages can take 15, 20, 30 minutes. Yep. Especially if you're on Hyperforce, you're looking at hours probably. Um, or CPQ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you can like, you know, install your package or deploy your code or whatever that uses it. And I think what this is saying is you can get a, a scratch org set up the way you want and then just clone that. And, it, and everything's already installed. Yeah, now, exactly. we're kind of back to, an, in a way, an org development model here, which I don't like about that now that I, th- now that I talk about it. An org development yeah, model? Yeah, because it's copying your org and not going back to, when you're initializing your environment, not going back to, like, first principles of, here's my source code, here's my, like, you know, I'm used to, like, the Cumulus CI, like, where you specify your requirements, and, like, Cumulus CI, then it kind of builds that requirement graph, and it'll go to, like, it'll either install them from the App Exchange if you have the package ID, or if, if you're referencing, if it's, like, an open source project that's a Cumulus CI project, like, EDA and NPSP and all these different ones, it actually goes to GitHub and, and grabs them, but does them all in the right order, and, like, you know, it's all based on what's in your code base, what you've mm-hmm. specified your requirements are, your, your dependencies are, your package dependencies. Yeah, I see the problem you're, you're talking about. Yeah, because the problem now is you could, someone, you or someone on your team or whatever, could change some of those, maybe upgrade a, a package dependency or whatever, and, and, and then commit that in the code base. But if you're just, snap, if you're just creating your new, all your new scratch words from, from you know, some snapshot org that you had working, which, because, come on, once we get something working, we don't want it to go away, which is why the <laughs> 30 days thing sometimes gets irritating. But that's what you're going to want to do. That's going to be the nature. Oh, let me just yeah. clone this thing real quick because I, I need to keep working. Right. And it turns out that, you know, three weeks ago, somebody changed some of the packet, some of the underlying 
dependencies or added one or a dependency version. And now you can't figure out why your code's not compiling after you, you know, after you merge in people's changes and everything, because you are operating under snapshot that you created three weeks ago. Right. Before we introduced some of these changes. So I don't know. That's something to be mindful of for sure. It is. Yeah. I mean, these are all, these are all different tools and it's up to you to use them wisely, I guess. I'm, yeah. I'm not saying the Salesforce, I'm not saying that's not a useful feature. It's just, you know, again, we're, uh, you know, it's not word to the wise, what I'm trying to say, um, but, uh, you know, user beware, maybe. Uh, where am I at? Platform development tools. Um, we have some CLI. I mean, there's always tons of CLI stuff changing, right? Uh, there's like now command to tr- toggle tracking on or off in your source files. I, and I think you can do it on a file by file basis, or maybe it's just the whole thing. I don't know, but you can, you can enable or disable source tracking. Oh, for, for a specific file? Uh, maybe so. Um, clearer error and warning messaging when using deprecated commands. All right. Well, that's good. Good error messages are always good. Uh, there's some, yeah, Einstein for developers updates. Is anyone using Einstein for developers? I'm not, I haven't even tried any of the code assistant tools. I've been meaning to, but to be honest, I haven't surprised. I haven't been writing code. I just do. I've been um, doing so many meetings and design sessions and helping others with their tickets that I haven't. Yeah. I haven't been able to write code. It's it's kind of disappointing. Well, not true. I've been working on some of our testing frameworks and stuff, but in a new uh, trigger framework. But yeah, um, there's something called Scale Test now, which is a paid add-on for customers that have a full sandbox. Uh, the product includes the test scheduler and test execution features. Huh. Seems like a step backwards because we're doing that with the external tools. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Um, interesting. Uh, Ant migration tool is being retired. I saw that. Yeah, so I have some work to do. To I'm still using that in a lot of places. And a lot of just infrastructure stuff. Mm. Uh, also, a gentle reminder to replace Workbench, which is a legacy and unsupported tool, with modern tools like Code Builder or the Salesforce CLI. Workbench has been deprecated for years. <laughs> it says. <Yes. laughs> Um, we have data cloud stuff. I'm not sure. I don't know. Bunch of data cloud stuff. I don't know. Go read the release notes if you're interested in this. Um, change data capture now supports additional objects, including opportunity line items. Kind of surprised it didn't support those. And many health cloud related objects. <clears throat> uh, there's some, yeah, kind of like, uh, pub sub API enhancements, basically around monitoring. Uh, Apex trigger and uh, sorry, Apex trigger errors from unhandled platform events now now appear in event monitoring logs. We have GraphQL enhancements. Uh, we've increased the upper limit for retrieving records to four thousand from two thousand, and some other things. Um, <laughs> external services can now generate a type safe Apex class with callback interfaces. Hello, Wizzle. Um, <laughs> Previously, oh, wait a minute, callback interfaces. Previously, that's maybe that's maybe I'm bearing the lead. Maybe it's the, the callback interface that's more interesting. Previously, external service calls could only be synchronous, waiting up to two minutes for response. With callbacks, external services now can uh, integrate asynchronously and wait, up, wait for a response for up to a year or more. <laughs> wow. It'd be, it'd be funny if you just sit around and you're like, oh, man, started that call out six months ago. What happened to it? It's still open. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, there's so much um, around, gosh, um, like green, like virtual threads. I don't know. I think each platform has different names for these that are happening now, though. <clears throat> they, don't, they don't actually use OS native threads. Mm-hmm. So the number of threads and quotes that you can scale up to is, you know, orders of magnitude bigger, which is why you see limits like that shoot up. Mm-hmm. Uh, name credentials now supports basic auth, which is nice. Packaging in 2GP managed packages along with external credentials, more formula functions, and improved sandbox cloning and org migration experiences. That's good. I think I've experienced some issues when you clone sandboxes. Stuff not coming over right with us. Here's one uh, I have a question for you about, though. Have you used this, this new API? Um, like API only like license that they introduced at it was it Dreamforce? Yeah, I'm actually gonna okay. I'm actually using it right now. Yeah. So there's a new user profile called Minimum Access API only integration API only integrations. It's now available for use with the Salesforce integration user license. It's a, it's a new profile. Okay, that's for the Salesforce integration license. <clears throat> um, by the way, we found this license to be extremely limiting. Like you can't, what was it? Like you can't give it permission to like custom objects or something. I don't know something. I forget what it is. Wait, I'm not. The minimum or the integration? No, the integration license. No, you can. I don't know. I forget what it was. I have to go back and look. You have to do it at a permission set level though. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I just, I don't I forget. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, we recommend migrating to the minimum access API only integrations profile instead of using the previous Salesforce API only systems integration profile. Wow. These are just mouth mouthfuls for these profiles. It's really confusing because they have like a integration only um, license or a profile license. How and then that? there's an integration. There's a you're supposed to use the <laughs> Salesforce integration API only license. It's really confusing. Okay, so I was I was right, John. No, you should say it. What? You should say I was right. Too slow. I know. Well, I was hoping you were going to say it. I don't even have that on my. Jeremy was right. Jeremy was right. <laughs> I know exactly how I said it. Um, (laughs) The key benefit is that the new profile. Wait a minute. Maybe maybe I'm even using the new one. Explain this to me. The key benefit is that the new profile does not allow create, read, update, or delete access to custom objects. How is that a benefit, John? I don't know. I mean, uh, may, maybe they're saying that before the profile, the, the original profile automatically gave everyone like no by default. You're not, no, you don't manage it at the profile. Well, you technically I can. I don't get this. You technically can today manage permissions at the profile, but you're not supposed to. So yeah. I think what they're trying to do is give this minimal access profile that you can't set those things because you're supposed to do it at the permission set level. And eventually they're supposed to move everything to permission sets. I think it got delayed. I think it's like 26 now. <clears throat> but technically your profiles are permission sets. They're a type of permission set. Oh, permission really? groups are a type of permission set. Yeah. It's just, it's so convoluted, but and I get also, it. And this, also this migration to permission set only, it's, it's already painful. And it's going to, I think it's going to be painful for a while. Look, if it, it will be painful, but if I can get all permissions for a permission set downloaded instead of this magic profile that oh, only downloads what permissions yeah. are in the package XML file. 
I'll be happy because yeah. I can't get that into version control. I know it's a mess. Anyway, this uh, blog post was uh, was written by a friend of the show, Mohit Srivastava. And Caitlin Benz, who I don't know, actually. Anyway. Thanks, guys. And gals. Yeah. And non-binary pals. Um, all right. You want to just keep going, John? Or what's You're on a roll, man. I'm enjoying I mean, your topics. I... <laughs> Mine was the Vision, Apple Vision Pro. Um, I do want to talk about the Davos stuff. Um, and that's what I thought we'd talk about. <laughs> so today. we covered Vision Pro. We're going to do Davos. What, do you, what was your other one? There's a Vision Pro and Davos. That was it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's keep going. Um, have you used... Do you use Slack? Yeah. Okay. And have you used the new catch-up feature? Catch-up? Catch-up. Like, you've been gone and you need to catch up? I'm never gone. <laughs> yeah, I, know, that's, I, know. I, haven't, I don't have a use case for that feature. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't think I have. I use the DMs, Activity, and Later um, modules quite a bit. Okay. Yeah, so this is, it's almost like a, they copied Tinder, which is like, you know, swipe left or swipe right or whatever. So huh. you, it, as you're going, and I don't know if this, I don't think it was just mobile, but there's, I'm the article I'm looking at is just mobile screenshots, but it's, you know, you go, it basically presents you an interface. One, you catching up through things you've missed one thing at a time. And for huh. each one, you can, like, it's like you swipe left to like, to add it to your save for later. And you swipe right just to like, okay, I read that. I don't need it. And you nuke it. Huh. Yeah, I haven't seen that in the app. I wonder if it's only mobile. So uh, another friend of the show, Jody Miners, she did not like this feature. Says very poorly implemented. implemented. Really? Yeah. I don't remember the details of it, but uh, maybe it's a selective rollout, like, kind of like they do with the new UI. I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, I've I've learned from a Slack perspective to sit on the unread. Because that helps me just kind of surface up the things that I haven't seen. And it gives me a quick way to dump everything. I need to use that better. I'm, I'm the type, I, I scan up and down my channel list and stuff. And I, as, as I see one that's bolded, that shows, you know, unread, yeah. I click into that. That was, that was way too much for me. Yeah. I couldn't, couldn't handle it. I don't have, I don't, I don't have that much. It's, so I think that's why that still works for me. Uh, we got, we're channel happy. Yeah. Uh, so many people create channels. I'm like, I can't keep up, guys. Because then you got channels and then you got like the named groups or not named groups, but like the groups where people have been inviting people to talk. Oh, yeah. And yeah. there's like different variations because one person's not in one and the other. And it's just, yeah, I just stick, I just say, sit on my unread bucket and I just go through it from there. I'm also an aggressive channel lever. I'm, I'm afraid to leave. <clears throat> I'm, af- but, I'm, af- I'm af- But if you're not in the channel, FOMO. if you're not in the channel, you can't be held responsible for what happens in that channel. But it's there's, you, personally, you get the FOMO though. No, I don't. That's I, I don't. That's the that's the key. I think <laughs> you got to let it go, man. Uh, I saw this tweet from some guy named Santiago. Oh. Relation, perhaps. Four four lessons I've learned after twenty plus years of writing software. I'm just going to go through these one at a time. Sounds like something I've read before. Because everyone has made a list like this. Yeah. Yeah, they all sound the same. Um, number one, the best code is the is the one I didn't write. So I think I think what he means by that is not that he'd rather other people to write the code, just yeah. that if the code that didn't have to be written is the best code, which is that's to me that's a cute thing, but it doesn't it's there's no practicality in that. What that's not a pragmatic thing whatsoever. Yeah. I still think I've 
You gotta send me that link because I okay. I could have swore that sounds very very familiar. I guess because there's been a million of these lists created. Yeah, everyone's they're, they're clickbait, John. <laughs> All right, now but now don't look at them right now because I don't want you to oh, okay. spoil. Okay, okay, okay. I won't. Uh, number two, the best tool is the one I'm already using. Which tools? Nah. Which it also doesn't scale very well at all. I mean, imagine if I was still on, you a, know, just coding in Eclipse, in Visual Studio Five or Eclipse or something like that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I thought about Eclipse whenever you said the ant tool was going away. My first thought was Eclipse for some reason because they're just your brain associates. I guess those. that's when I was really using yeah. the, the ant scripts was in Eclipse. Uh, number three, the best solution is the simplest one. I, I, that's the one I'm mostly, I most agree with so far. The yeah. hardest part is keeping it simple. True. Cause yeah. you can put a simple solution out there, but then everyone's like, well, what about this? What it's actually that? hard to convince other people that simple is better. Cause so many people think they get featureitis and they're like, they want to have all the things. Yeah. And it's like a lot of downsides to keep piling things up under your feature. Actually, you know what's worse is when they could do something in the previous system and it's really hard to do in the new system. That's when it's really hard. Mm, yeah. Okay. Uh, number four, if I didn't test it, it doesn't work. And I don't know if he means like uh, an automated test. I mean, cause surely you just manually ran it and tested it. Right. I mean, you just have zero idea if it works or not. I mean, but if that's the case, it probably does not work. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to understand the context as well because I mean, you you could be very front tester like you know the TDDs and the BDDs and all the DDDs, <laughs> um, or you could be the you know let, let's just see how it goes you know the free loving crowd that just like let's deploy it and see if we get any complaints. But just not ever to not ever have a CPU thread that has run through that execution path before is is odd, and I'm not sure if that's what he means anyway. Uh, here's here's it's called declarative programming, but here's probably the most controversial one, or maybe my, yeah. Number five, communication wins over technical skills. Oh wait a minute, maybe I see that's tough. Hmm. I I don't see those as opposite ends of a spectrum. I see them on I see them as different spectrums, different dimensions. Yeah, different roles. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Um, and sometimes uh, communication wins. You know, you, this is why large teams kind of are an anti-pattern because it, every person you add to a team, if you want to look at these diagrams, exponentially includes the, increases the number of or potential number of communication points. So are you saying that, you know, 500 communication points is a good idea? Over and, and and people won't be very skilled, but they'll be communicating a lot. I, I, that's why this doesn't this doesn't compute to me. Oh, here's here's someone. So here's there's a uh, a community addition to this. Uh, number six, done is better than perfect. Okay, agree. I mean that's easy for me. This is the one I don't agree with. Good process is more important than skills. And the reason that one rubs me the wrong way is because I feel like I've always said the the better skills you have, 
the less process you need. And I'm always leery of teams that have a lot of process and a lot of ceremony because they go, they come hand in hand. Yeah, but that ceremony often comes from lessons learned of failures in the process or lack of skill. So it. Well, you said it's a lack of skill, which is my argument. What I think, what I'm trying to say is one births the other. Yeah. I, I just feel like the, you know, the better your team is, the less, the less process you need. Yes. I agree with that. Okay. Um, over engineering is more time consuming than dirty code. Yes. Yeah. New tools force your teammates to waste time learning them. I won't say waste, they have to spend time. Now, is that wasted in some cases? Yes. In other, in other cases, is that a really good investment? Yes. We love these platitudes. Mm-hmm. Why did we eat these up? Um, code that didn't run doesn't work. That's an interesting one. That, how do you know it didn't work? <laughs> how do you know it won't work? <laughs> no, but it didn't work. Yeah. Has not worked. Let's see. Let's do a time check. Oh, we're almost an hour. Um. Man, U.S. office vacancies nationwide hit a record in Q4. And guess which city was worst hit? Worst hit continuing. Say that again? U.S. office vacancies hit yet another all-time record in Q4. Record low? Record Record high high vacancies. Oh, high. Okay. That's where I was getting a brain fart. You're looking at something else over there. No, I was, but I heard what you said. If I've lost you, I've probably lost uh, most of our community here john it was the wording <clears throat> yeah san francisco metro area had the most office square feet vacated per axios in san francisco the current vacant office space surpasses the equivalent of more than 20 salesforce towers <laughs> wow that is bad and how are i mean and a lot of also a lot of these um notes are becoming are maturing and they're having to refinance them and guess what happened to rates john interest rates <laughs> yeah there's gonna be a lot of either structured bankruptcies structured reorganizations i mean yeah man someone will buy it up and sit on it there'll be a time when they can reinvent the wheel on that buy low man buy low either either people will start coming back <clears throat> in the office or they'll change how we work and we'll have a lot more we work style places hotspots or whatever. Yeah, I saw some tweet about this the other day. I think it was, uh, do you know this guy, Chamath Palahapatiya? Yeah. yeah. I was mouthful of a name. Surprised um, you could say that. Um, he was talking about how you invest when things are bad. Yeah. Not when things are good. Yeah. That's why, like, whenever you see all these ads about buy gold and silver now, it's like, that's not the time to buy gold and silver. Yeah. They're trying to sell you the gold and silver they bought at really low. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's get uh, into some fun clips from our favorite event of the year, Davos. Uh, Uh Let's see. Oh, I did have one thing that I wanted to mention that I forgot about. Okay. And that was uh, old (laughs) friends of the show, Squid, got got acquired. Oh, did they? By a company called Nintex. Oh, I know Nintex. Yeah. Um, Interesting. That happened like last month (laughs) when it was confirmed. But yeah, it was on my list of things to to at least mention. Nintex. uh, What are their products? 
You're asking me things um, I don't know. Process management and workflow automation. I mean, but yeah, I guess, I guess it's going to add a low code element to their offerings. Okay. Oh yeah. Nintex signs agreement to acquire low code app dev platform squid. Cool. Well, congratulations squid team. Long time coming. Yeah. It started from a client project to a standalone application. It was uh, focused on Salesforce to a it's open-ended in open-ended low code platform. And yeah, and they got investment by Salesforce became their, I think their biggest investor, at least for a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a long road and we were there for the beginning. Um, <laughs> yeah, we were. That's how old we are. Let's see. Let's see if I can, I'm going to have to like pause for a second or just kind of vamp because I'm looking for something that is really from the archives and I don't know if I have it. The archives of our show? Yeah. Oh, I do. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> yeah i remember that one <laughs> what was that they had a release called bonsai they right? did yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man that was uh 2015 oh wow yeah we started our show and went th- 2013 so yeah. yeah we just passed our 10 year anniversary john i know last year crazy um all right let's see let me get my clips going here so these are not really i didn't div- divide these up we can just like you're probably going to want to pause a lot, so just let me know. Uh, oh boy, this on this, I just raised so my the, hand. The first what? clip is is Yahoo Finance uh, interviewing Benioff, and man, this guy, oh, you'll you'll hear about. He's just he's such a suck up, such a suck up. The moderator, and, uh, yes, or just it's not a it's not a panel. It's just he's the what do you call it? An interviewer or the journalist? Supposedly, supposed journalist. I think they call, he's the moderator. They they call that the moderator. I'm pretty sure. Okay, <clears throat> well, he's that dude. All right, here we go. About all things AI and the future of AI here at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. Let me just get right to really, a, I would say, a foremost thinker in all things AI. That is Salesforce co-founder and CEO, Mark Benioff. Mark, it's just nice to see you. Thanks for making time for us. Brian, it's always great to be with you. Yeah, it's great. All over the world. Yeah, seriously, we were at <laughs> Dreamforce. felt like yesterday, so thank you. Um, has anything surprised you about the AI talk here at Davos? Or at this point, you've just seen and done it all? Well, I... I by the way, I've already decided I'm going to make an executive decision here. <clears throat> the title of this episode is going to be Digital People. Gotcha. And you'll see why. You know, there's basically you have AI technologists here at Davos who've got all their whiz bang, great new party tricks, things they can do. Take a look at this. It's like, you know, David Blaine type, <laughs> you, know, yes. you know, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> look at this. I don't even know how to use some of this stuff. Yeah, like it's amazing. And then no kidding. you have COs. And COs. Are- answer the question yet, by the way. COs. COs. At this, it's like you know, David Blaine type, you know, you know, you know what I mean? Like, look at this. I don't even know what you mean. Yeah, like it's amazing. And then you have CEOs, and CEOs are like, listen, we want to know what about margin, Mm -hmm. what about productivity, what about higher value customer relationships, Mm -hmm. and that idea and how do those two things come together? That's kind of the conversation. Lot of lot of euphemisms at Davos. Yeah, and and it's funny because as we get into this, they really don't make you read between the lines very very. Hardly. No, they say the quiet parts out loud. They do. There's a lot of quiet parts out loud. Yeah. And that's really happening here. And, you know, I'm trying to tell stories and explain to customers 
what we're seeing with AI. And I think that as we have been kind of traveling around, we see so many exciting opportunities with AI that customers are going to get much higher margins. Last year at Davos, AI was still a little bit on the fringes. Not for you. I mean, you're seeing these things many years in advance. This year, I'm sensing like deeper things happening with AI. What have you been seeing? Like, what's the next iteration of all this? Well, we, we've been building our Einstein platform for a decade. You know that. Yep. We've talked about Einstein dozens and dozens of times. This week, Einstein will do one trillion transactions, wow. which is predictive and generative transactions now, which is really cool. And customers are using it. I just was in Milan with Gucci and very, you know, part of the caring group, incredible company. And they're like, hey, we're, we want to use AI in our call center. And it's like, wait, what do they really want to do here? This is this about, you know, augmentation? Is it about replacement? Is it replacement? What, what are we looking at? And what was cool was we brought in generative AI into our. That, that's that is the buzzword. Replacement for get rid of all your people. Replace replacement. They don't, they don't say <laughs> what you're supposed to just read between those lines. Replacement. Service cloud. Rule number one. We're not replacing like database servers and things. Replacing humans. On customer service, call center, call center, <clears throat> contact center product in the world, as you know. And these agents are using it. And we are running this program for now a few months. Okay. And they said something amazing has happened. And I said, what? And they go, number one, revenue's up 30%. I said, wow, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Good. That's good. So Gucci revenue up 30%. Now, this is a center that in Milan, you buy a product, Gucci product, all over the world, and it's not something's wrong with it or you need a change and so forth. They help resolve that issue for you. It's about 300 people. It's a great group of people. Incredible. And they found that by using AI, their employees started to become more augmented, better. Service agents... John, you know, I'm really impressed with you. You're becoming more augmented these days. I can see it. It's just this glow about this augmented glow about you. Am I better? Yeah, of course. You're augmented. <laughs> uh, just, these people love to hear themselves talk. Yeah, and once you um, once you augment yourself, then you can upload yourself to the cloud. Did I die? No. Somehow you uploaded. You augmented yourself. <laughs> yeah. Could start to sell. It's time for the single market. That is really cool. That all of a sudden, that these Gucci call center agents How many times are you say Gucci, Gucci or have you sales agents, Gucci everything agents, and Hold on. the AI Pause. gave. Them we really need to come up with like a luxury brand bingo card for like Dream Four. Anytime Benioff speaks, and see how hammered we get. Oh, he's he's not done. In fact, I did have a, I had a drinking game, and the drinking game is every time someone drops uh, name drops. Mm-hmm. So either one of those, feel free to play at home. From the information, the capability, the workflow to be able to do all kinds of amazing new things. That's an exciting story. When you're in that Gucci call center, when you leave there. Oh, wait, which call center was that? I, I missed it. I must have missed it. I, I uh, do you think, <laughs> man, maybe I won't see that employee next time because of AI. Where, where is your head after at after doom, doom, doom. such like that. There, there's no question that where AI is going is digital employees, digital salespeople, digital service digital people, people, digital market, digital people. Yeah, that digital idea people. that you know we're going to have people like me and you, and there's going to be digital people, people that exist with income, and then all the rest of us who will be on universal basic income. Well, no, you or just need to pick up on eating bugs. 
You didn't pick on the important. You didn't pick up on the important part, the quiet part that was said out loud. Okay. These guys, all of them, never consider that they'll be replaced. They only consider the people below them will be replaced. He says, people like you and I, I know. will be here, and then there'll be digital people. Well, they're in Davos, and we're not, John. Maybe one day I'm going to walk into the Yahoo room, and I'm going to be interviewed by the <laughs> no, AI no, instead no. of Brian. Well, I don't know. I need to make yeah, He doesn't imagine that he'll but be replaced. Brian. No, he just said that the journalist guy might be, the moderator would yeah. be replaced. But not okay. Benioff. Point. No. Of course, <clears throat> that's not true today. Okay. So in today's world, that's not where AI is. We know that AI's got a lot of problems still, like it lies, mm-hmm. you know. Well, hallucinations, you gave me that term. I never heard of hallucinations. It's hallucinating, it's lying, it's built. Way to go, moderator. Way to feed him his lines. Great journalist. Uh, you never heard of AI hallucinations? Stolen data, it's, you know, there's all kinds of problems with AI still. So those issues need to kind of get worked out over time. But we've all seen the science fiction movies. We know where AI could go. But right now, AI can really, you know, make people a lot better. And you know that I'm a huge Disney fanboy. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> what? This year, I've been to Disneyland four times. Uh-huh. Okay. And every time I'm there, and nice. I work with Disney all over the company. And if you go to the Disney store I online, like that's Salesforce. months now because I'm poor. Talk to the call center at <laughs> Disney Plus, that's Salesforce. And if you go to Disneyland, and you are, you know, you hire one of those Disney guides. Those yeah. are the people to kind of help you get through the park a little no, faster. Was none like of us have that kind of money, Mark. Like <laughs> the coolest product. Uh-huh. For years, I've worked with them, and now you'll see they're carrying a telephone with them. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you look down at the phone, you'll see. Oh wait, wait, Brian says you. The whole system of record, everything is Salesforce, mm-hmm. and Slack. They're all talking to all the other Disney guides, collaborating. And they're all better because of Einstein and AI be is wild. augmenting them. That's like wild for you, Mark. That's like, that's like wow. That's like wow, John. Is he, is he trying to be the next uh, <clears throat> Kramer? You know what? I mean, Kramer's got to retire pretty soon, right? Yeah. He's, he's getting up there in years, so I th- maybe so. Yeah. The co-founder. Uh, I think back 10 years where the company was, ten now 10 years forward today, to see that type of technology... Well, it's completely cool. And I have a vision that, you know, my my dream is one day I walk into the park and I've opted in somehow and I've said I want to be part of this idea, but I was watching The Mandalorian last night on Disney Plus and as I walk into the park, Anaheim or Tokyo or Euro or wherever it is, and the Mandalorian walks up to me and says, Hey, Mark, how did you like that last night? That's, that's, like, that's when I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Home run, finally. <laughs> we the, made the, the connection. The and uh, I think for some people that's going to be a little yeah. spooky. That guy, oops. And got then so for giddy. me, it's going to be very kind of cool because I actually understand the data parts of it. And I think that that's a great opportunity for Disney. That'll be a next level of the Disney parks. How? I didn't know how to no. phrase this. So I, I, how are, concerned are you about a world of digital people? Like, so pause. A world. The only, the only, I mean, that should be. I've world. been to Disney multiple times, especially Disney World. The only people that get that kind of attention are the people that are being led around by the guides. No one else gets that kind of personal attention. You right. might get a nice little wave, but there are handlers all around these characters that keep people away. Yeah, yeah. So well, from Mark doesn't understand what real people, no, how real people in, uh, uh, interact with the Disney experience. No. I it, to me, it's it is spooky. Well, I think there's a lot of different ways to think about it, and uh, you know, one of the I, I pay a lot of attention to my health. I think you know that, and so um, I get a CT. Oh, that can that. that 
Yeah, I don't want to say anything. Scan of my heart. It's called the CTA scan. I've had like three over 15 years. So they look inside your heart and how is it doing? And you know, 15 years ago, I went to LA to this great scanning center. Met with this person who invented the calcium scoring. He did it. He's like, "Oh, you're fine, fine. Come back Thank five God. years. Go, here, yes, here it is. We're going to watch this. You know, you're older now. You know." And then I did it a couple years ago, and they're like, "Yes, you're doing great. Still, we're still watching that. Great." Then this year, they took that same CTA scan. And they're able to put it into an amp. Is that what you have to do to get your CTA cert? You get a CTA scan? I guess. Wild. And then the AI said the same thing. And said why is that exciting? What? That he's that, doing great? That the, that the um, radiologist said. That came to the same conclusion about his heart health. Is, yes, I can go to LA and meet with the guy who invented calcium scoring. Incredible person. But think about all the people in the world who have access to a CT scanner. You know, we just saw the CO Siemens here. Oh, I have a CT scanner, don't you, John? There's great customer <laughs> Salesforce outside. And that idea that now there's a C- CT scanner, there's somebody who needs to have a scan, and you don't need the very top person in the world. Can you pause you there? have somebody. You know why they're attacking that, right? Because radiology is is so specialized, and those guys that do it, um, they're highly paid, and their their primary focus is imaging. So it's so far it's been really easy for them to train these models to look for things in the mm-hmm. images. So it's it's not only an easy win, but economically for for hot for these hospitals and everything to get rid of that high paid person. Well, you know the. Um HHS will, or uh, what is, what the, 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 what's the organization that runs Social Security and Medicare? Um, I forget, but anyway. Um, yeah, they're, they'll be all over this, right? Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that radiologists are paid out of line for other physicians. You know, they're, they're highly paid. I mean, they're all they're highly paid, paid yeah. but it's a very specialized art. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Who can be there, a radiologist, in concert with this AI, and you can have this analysis. It's not perfect. It's not a replacement, but for sure, it's a democratization. There's an equanimity that ew, comes ew, from having that equanimity. Yeah. And I think word. that is the way to start to really think about that. Again, it's an augmentation story, mm-hmm. but it's a very exciting story for the future. Ahead of the this conference, Mark, and I hate name dropping, especially in front of you. I just know that he basically dodged the question. To ask him what should be, what do you, what do we think about this weird, you know, scary world of digital people? Question did not get answered. Instead, we got a long story about Mark and this uh, the the guy who invented calcium scoring. Well, he's tried, he's attempted to answer it by talking to augmentation of people as that you know, phase, as phase one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. But nonetheless, I talked to the the head of the IMF, Uh and she was making a point that... Kristalina. Yes. AMI. AI. I love her. She's one of my favorite people in the world. Awesome. Yeah. Great problem. I'm glad we're not doing shots. She was making the case that AI is going to spread and create more global inequality. Do you agree with that? Well, there's no question it could. You know, I've actually been saying that for decades, that AI could be, you know, a a creator of inequality it could also be a creator of equality you know you i think ai that. has to be almost a human right to have access to hum- to to oh, ai yeah, and we- that's where he says it's a human right but yeah. that contradicts his lawsuit uh for because of ai's usage of of time magazine data 
he he uh, threads this needle very carefully. Um, he will tell you that Salesforce's AI does not use any of these stolen uh, data sources. <clears throat> we need the governance around AI. Listen, we're coming into a really critical year on elections, and we all understand social media and what social media can be like and what can happen with social media and how it can go really wrong. Oh, like if the crazy spaceman gives you, lets you, lets you say your mind. Can't have that. And hey, the reality is over the last decade, social media has been kind of yeah, no. And we've no had a regulation. lot of talks about that. Crazy spaceman. No, no regulation. Do you think they'll regulate? How many times have we talked about that? A lot. It's been you've, and you've been consistent. They have done a disastrous job on this. Will they do better job on? And on we AI? don't look at Section two thirty. We don't talk about the regulators. The regulators have done a disastrous job, I guess, of of allowing uh, people to you know send what's the, the messages? It's the bootlegs and Baptists. They didn't. The, thank you. They didn't you let him do that. He said it, so I didn't have to. Yeah. Don't look yes. at anything. <clears throat> So now we're coming into AI. I think we just were at this UK safety summit, mm -hmm. and I was very impressed that every regulator from every major country in the world was all there, and that they are really looking at, you know, how are they going to really look at AI and make sure that it stays on the rails? Mm -hmm. Maybe because they've seen the movies, yeah. you know, so they <laughs> yeah. understand where Stop it can go. about the movies. You know, but I think that this is a really critical moment that uh, these uh, regulators need to step up and to really take this very seriously because this is real. One of the... When can we first came they, Benioff has been on this kick of sci-fi movies. And he thinks it makes him... I think... Um, like, future-sounding because back in the day, Jules Verne inspired so many people to make those, some of those things a reality that he seems to think that movies are predictive and they're not they're stories and the guy that works for salesforce read all those movies did you know that yeah <laughs> contact with you mark many years ago at this conference we talked a lot about climate and it got me thinking of all the good work you've done with your close friend jane goodall and not one conversation really that we have had here so far at this conference has been on climate and climate change and frankly that bothered me and do you feel as though the world is paying enough attention right now there's a lot change? of conversations happening still happening around climate yeah you may not okay. be in them but in the ceo's meetings that i'm in okay. there is lots of conversations and a lot of good stories and a lot of progress has been made mm -hmm. a by a stories. lot of companies mm -hmm. on number one reducing their emissions yep. <clears throat> okay number two is a major program that i run here which is our trillion tree Mm -hmm. You know, which is the idea that we need more, more biodiversity. Yep. We had six trillion trees. We've gone down to three trillion. Every trillion trees is 200 gigatons of carbon. Now, why that is important is, you know, when you remember in third grade, these trees can take CO2 out of the atmosphere and convert that to oxygen. Yep. And we need to replenish our biodiversity. We need to take care of our oceans. We need to reduce overfishing, protect 30% of our oceans by 2030. We need to you know, nurture our coral. Um, we need to address the issues that are going on with plastic. You know, there's an incredibly important treaty that's about to be signed by the UN in regards to plastic. And this idea that we have so much plastic out there and the plankton in the ocean are eating the plastic and the fish are eating the plastic and the plankton and we are eating the fish. It sounds like a and third grader who that. I don't think listened to some climate change speech and is trying to repair it mm. there there's no there's no like learned experience that he's speaking from on that he's just saying words that he's heard yeah 
I'm not, right. I'm not denying any of the things he's saying, but right. the way he's saying it, like he's just like off the cuff, just like saying these terms shotgun, like one after the other, there's, there's nothing behind it. There's no sincerity behind it. I think the plastic thing is a big problem. Also this microplastics, this, this is a big problem. In fact, there was a, um, a, a recent study, I forget the name of it or who, or where it came from. Um, that was seemingly pretty legitimate. <clears throat> that was pretty damning about microplastics, like how many of them we consume, how many of them are just like a, a in a bot, like bottled water. Yeah. Like how many like millions of plastic particles are floating around in there. That's not good, man. It's not. And when you look at like what's happening with health and autoimmune diseases and, and, uh, anxiety and depression and autism and all this stuff. It's like, it's all in allergies. It's all like massively skyrocketing and skyrocketing and some, something's causing that. And I mean, I have no idea if it's microplastics or not, but I feel like several million molecules of microplastics in my, in my brain probably is not good. I'm guessing. I don't know. <clears throat> well, I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I'm a scientist or anything, but it's, it's a bit of a boogeyman to say microplastics. It might be, but I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe. But I think we do need to be maybe more selective. We're not going to get rid of plastics. Plastics is in everything, and plastics has made a lot of things cheap and accessible. Yeah, and not only that, sterile. Yeah, there are so many things in our in our medical industry that rely on plastics uh, for one time use sterile things. Yeah, and also, what's the alternative? Like, let's say if we could somehow snap our fingers and have no plastics in the world, like that's got everything to be replaced. Deplete our resources a hundred times over. Yeah, and they're and they would be worse for the environment. I think. Yes. Now, that doesn't mean we're not managing plastics as well as we could be. We we're definitely. Not. I think we're doing better than we have been in the past. I mean, I, th- I think so. Some, but I mean, there's just it's still it's still a huge problem. And sure. of all the ones he mentioned, it's the one that I think is probably the most legitimate and also that the needle can be moved the most on well I, th- I think we're starting to i think we're at a phase in history where we're starting to split hairs i think we've solved the easy problems to solve from a from a from a very high level view that now we're trying to solve these very percentage-like problems which are we're, we're in the long tail. Yeah. And and the, of course you know the problem with the go, the further you go in the long tail the more expensive it becomes yes. to, to make any change yeah exactly it's not it's not as simple as it was i mean if you look back at the 70s 60s 70s and 80s what we were doing to the environment and and how far we've come yeah we're definitely splitting hairs on this i don't know i don't know if it's fair i don't know if i like the phrase splitting hairs i don't think we're splitting hairs i just it's just yeah it's just my way to say that uh, you you said it better when you said the long tail and some and sometimes and not not necessarily picking on mark benioff but like you know there's a lot of the stuff is just billionaires looking for a cause you know <clears throat> I, I just I can't stand to listen to these elites who who to uh, live a life of luxury and indulge in luxury and yet want to lecture us who are not in that position on the things that we should be doing. Yeah, you're such a populist, John. You should uh, maybe you should move to Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm pragmatic. I'm moderate. I just uh, I'm liberal on a lot of things. Yeah. I just. I just don't like being lectured to. I'm smarter than that. Okay. I'm not sure. Have a conversation with everyone, not lecture everyone, which is what Davos turned out to be. It's just elites lecturing people. They also go there to close their biggest deals. The idea is to get all the billionaires together and they all sell each other stuff. They they do this every year. I know. And these are, these are people in power, in positions of power. You think they could have done something about it by now, but nothing happens. 
they go there, they say their words, they fly back home on hey. their jets, and nothing happens. It's kind of like politicians. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, let's continue. We can stop this anytime. I mean, there's probably like a few minutes left. It's not a mystery how the world cycle is. No. And yeah, we need to take care of our planet. And this is an incredible part of what we're doing. And we also need an ecopreneur revolution. You know, a entrepreneurs what? like me. Ecopreneur? Now they're just making up words. I mean, yeah, it's a made up word. Are coming out of schools. I just funded a $25 million program at Stanford, which combines the sustainability school and the business school to bring them together to create an ecopreneur school. The idea that people can build a business that takes care of the world, that the business of business doesn't have to be just business, it can be about improving the world, and that business can be the greatest. I remember business, 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 business. business I remember business. when Crazy, crazy Space Guy was the ecopreneur. What was the villain on? on no, you did, no, the Ron, Lego don't walk movie? over my comment. I remember when crazy space guy was the ecopreneur that was going to save the world oh yeah but then he bought twitter then he bought twitter and now he's evil yeah. crazy space guy what are you saying the villain on on the lego movie wasn't it like mr business or oh what was his yeah something like that it was something like that yeah. <laughs> platform for change and this idea that businesses and ceos can create companies to even nurture our environment that's really amazing and there's a lot of examples here at the show as well i know this issue is very close to your heart and you're putting your money where your mouth is mark but do you feel as though this presidential election in the u.s climate policy is also on the ballot and does that upset you well, yeah, I, I've been through this now so many times, 25 years. That's Salesforce a leading question. Company to That's really because he's, he's basically climate saying climate policy. How do you feel about climate policy? Is it on the ballot? And does that upset you? Because obviously it not being on the ballot should upset you. So he's, he's leading it and saying it's I'm not saying it's not on the ballot, but it's not on the ballot, isn't it? And that upsets you, right? This is about the orange man, John. Policy is also on the ballot. And does that upset you? <clears throat> Well, yeah, I, I've been through this now so many times, 25 years at Salesforce, growing the company to 70,000 employees. We were given guidance. We're going to, you know, we're heading to, to 35 billion approximately, you know, in revenue this year. And that idea that there have been so many presidents and administrations during that time, I guess what I realized was administrations are going to change, but our core values are not going to change. Great answer. So we exactly. know we're yeah, going to trust perfect customer answer. success, innovation. We're about equality and we're about sustainability. So we're going to care about the trees and the oceans no matter who's in office. Salesforce is a different company yeah, good compared answer. to one yeah. year ago. What has made it a different company? I, I, I had a breakfast with your team uh, earlier on, and it was a different vibe. Focus on the numbers. Focus on uh, using data in a, in a trusted way. You know, uh, nothing like activist investors to get you focused on the numbers. Talk about impartial ju- journalists having breakfast with the... <laughs> this guy, there's nothing partial about this, impartial about this guy. Um, I will say, I feel like, I'm sure it, no one, you know, at Salesforce thought this at the time, but um, I hesitate to even say this because it, this affected so many people's lives negatively. Um, but those activist investors may be the, one of the best things that ever happened to Salesforce's numbers, ever. Oh, yeah, for sure. Also, it, it, forced, <laughs> it, for, it forced a change that had to happen sooner or later. It, they pulled the the duct tape off the hairy leg. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I wanted that image. Um, I just wanted to illustrate pain. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, but the activist, activist invest, investors were just the messengers. Yes. It was, it was the end of zero interest rates. Mm-hmm. 
that really, and I know I've been saying this for 10 years, and finally, I mean, I didn't want this to happen. I didn't want the music to stop. I didn't want the fun to end, but I knew it would. And I knew it was the more drunk we were on that year after year after year, the more painful it's going to be. But here we are. What are we going to do about it? Just, it just feels like a different entity. We really got to another level in our business in terms of size and scale when we became the third largest software company in the world, second largest software company in Japan. And we realized we needed to take our capabilities up. That's why we've improved our margins a thousand basis, more than a thousand basis points in the last year, which is kind of incredible. And I don't think our financials have really been better. Our products have never been more competitive. Our customers have never been more successful. And it's great to connect with them here at the conference. And I think that management team that we were talking about, people like Brian Mellon, who's my chief operating officer, and Amy Weaver is my chief financial officer, have been the most loyal lieutenants, but also just phenomenal executives in terms of their ability to operate the business. It's been a, just a joy to work with the team. Lastly, way, um, way to help out there, Mr. Journalist. Yeah. Like this, seriously. Um, any leadership? For you, I have as much time like, as you want. You've been a great friend of Yahoo Finance, um, Mark. Any leadership advice um, you can offer the next generation of leaders, people that may be coming in contact with you for the first time on our platform, and they hear what you're saying, how do they become better leaders? Look, I think that you know, there's so many important things that you can do. I think using your business as a platform for change is probably number one. I guess the thing that we did that was so great was one, our 111 model. You know, that when we started our company, we put 1% of our equity, 1% of our profit, 1% of our time into a foundation. It was very easy at the time because we had no employees, no <laughs> stockers, nobody, no activist investors, nobody was giving me any business. But that's turned into almost a billion dollars in grants. We run 50,000 nonprofits for free on our service. You know, we've been able to do almost 10 million hours of volunteerism all over the world. And we, you know, can have a huge impact. Even here at the conference, we run a program for kids where we teach them computer science and AI, you know, using our facilities. Why? Our core not have a job when they grow up. are about giving back. <laughs> and know. that we realize that <laughs> that's the real joy. Learn to code, John. Learn to code. Learn to code. Boy, oh, wait. In life, AI. Words, Never really, mind. the yep. fun part is we love the products. I love making the customers successful. The Gucci's, the Disney's, the Ford's. Good. Do good. But I also want to, you know, giving back is also so, yeah. so much fun. And I think that CEOs and entrepreneurs rob themselves of that joy when they don't think about how they can use their business to improve the world. Look, everybody doesn't have can to you do. Pause? I really am not on board with Benioff's social capitalism message. I don't know what else to call it. The company should be responsible for the world. It's just how many layers of politics do we have to get into? Now we've got, we've got government politics about trying to take care of the world. We have now companies, tech companies telling us how to take care of the world. But, but oddly he does a good job of staying out of politics. He does. Uh, I guess, but it's just the the idea of a company that's socially responsible is, seems wrong. I don't, I don't that sounds wrong when I say it that way. But it it seems like it's counterintuitive to the purpose of the comp- of a company, a for-profit company. Yeah, and that's And that's, it leads itself to for lack of a better term, bootlegs and baptists because they're claiming they're they're on they're, they're, they're the good ones, but they're self, they're in, in the way they're managing, they're self-regulating. And John, it's not 
social capitalism. In fact, Mark's book is called Compassionate Capitalism. There you go. That's what he called it. <clears throat> is that different than um, compassionate? What was it? Compassionate conservat- conservatism? Was that George Bush's thing? Compassionate conservatism? I don't know. It sounds like the know. same thing to me. Whatever. All right. I just don't. I just, it's oil and water. It doesn't mix. We're almost done. Everything. But everybody can do something. And if you can do one thing and you can create a culture of doing something, that's exciting for business. And there's so many great examples of that today. It is always exciting to get a, uh, a little time with you. Uh, Mark Benioff, uh, Salesforce co founder and CEO. Thank you. I appreciate it's it. It's great to see thank you. Brian. Really great Thanks to see you. Pleasure. Thank you. I really appreciate thank it. You. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. I have a couple more. I'm going to do this Fox business one because there was actually a slight bit of journalism that was happening. Journalism. Mm. What do you think of the journalism on that last one? What is it? Just, did you get a lot of it? Is it, did There's you get no some journalism. on you? Did someone spray on you? There's no journalism. No? Okay. I'm sitting right in front of the screen here. I just got all over me. <laughs> all right. We are talking to business leaders this morning, trying to get a sense of what the macro story. This is uh, the money, honey, Maria Bartiromo will look like in 2024. I spoke with the CEO of Salesforce, Mark Benioff, uh, earlier to talk about his outlook. Here it is. Let's take a look at Salesforce stock performance. The company shares up 80% over the last year. Let's talk about it here at the World Economic Forum in Davos. Uh, I have noticed the stock is doing pretty well. Oh, yeah, it's doing great. It's It's up like 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to fast forward a little bit, I think. We're the second largest in Japan, but number one in customer relationship management. Our job is to help our customers connect with their customers in new ways. And we're meeting with hundreds and hundreds of customers here um, in Davos. You know, there's about 800 CEOs here. We'll meet at least with half of them one-on-one. Yeah, you're right. It's, it? it's about closing those it deals. Is. You know what a ticket to Davos costs? If you can get invited, you still have to pay. I've, I've been told 40 grand, Jeez. which is nothing. I mean, I mean, what, is it, what does it cost? Um, to fly your jet over there. That's going to be way more than 40 grand. So that just, that just pays for the champagne at the, at the dinner parties. Yeah. And help them to plan out how they're going to use AI to augment and transform uh, their business. That's a great one-shot opportunity for you to talk to so many of your customers here in Davos. No wonder it's so important for you. Oh, it's incredible, the opportunity. And just walking down the street or being in the conference center or whatever it is, you're able to see people, connect with them. And uh, it's just a moment that you you don't want to miss. And we bring a large team here. We have 40 people here. And we want to make sure that uh, we're able to really connect with our customers and listen to them they're they're all going through huge trends i like this part of benioff the one that speaks to business the one that speaks to connecting with customers the one that talks about making those deals that's what i want to hear from benioff not the the foe i care about the world stuff i want to hear how he's how he's helping the company yeah um well this is because he's sitting across from a journalist not a sycophant yeah transformation right now you know they all want much higher margins they all want a lot more productivity and they also want higher value customer relationships which are the profitable relationships those higher value customer relationships are where they're seeing the real opportunity to transform their business and our job is to help get them to those customers and i i was just with i just told you i was just in milan with uh, gucci and we run the caring group but we're in the gucci call center this is the place where if you uh, were 
on Madison Avenue and you bought something from Gucci and maybe something needs to be tuned or tweaked or adjusted and you call them, you end up in Milan. And this idea that they're using our customer service product, they're using our call center product, but we've now added Einstein, which is our AI platform. And that's an amazing platform. It'll do a trillion AI transactions this week, um, both predictive and generative. It's amazing. And they're using it. And what they found was something incredible occurred, which was their call center agents who were just doing service, all of a sudden were able to do a lot more. And they could do sales. They could do marketing. Their revenue went up 30% because they're able to use AI in this incredible new way. And that was very inspiring. It's kind of a retread from the previous one. For the it is, but it's. Do you, do you take it differently? Because I do. No. Really? But tell me how. Because when he even stopped himself from using the word amazing, he did. Because he, in his rotation of vocabulary words, he had used that one too recently, so he had to switch. No, I think it's context i think when he's he's being boisterous and he's be, his ego is getting stroked i think he uses the word amazing but when whenever he's not he tries to keep it a little more even keel what did he, what did he choose this time and said that and it was incredible. incredible yeah but also the way he led that same pitch he led on using the tooling he led on the AI helping to add to people's productivity and enabling them to be not only just service, but sales. He didn't say that in the other, when he spoke yeah. to the other one, he's, he talked about how amazing and how great. And even the way he presented the trillion dollar transaction number felt like a normal flow of that sales pitch. It didn't feel like a boast, boisterous spiel of where he was talking about how great he is. Maybe he uses these Davos interviews just to workshop his, his conference material. Maybe, because this, this feels more refined and more to the point of what you would care about from a business perspective. Okay. That's, I did like this interview better. Yeah. To me, that this is possible. Yeah. This, yeah. Tell it where all the sources are. Again. Okay. Technical snafu, and we're back. A turbulent world. I, I want to get back to AI in a moment, but given your conversations with all of your clients and, and and your incredible vantage point to really get a sense of spending from these yeah. corporates, mm-hmm. what are you seeing in terms of it's IT spending, spending on the database and the cloud? Uh, do you feel that the macro story is growing to that extent that we'll see increases in that kind of spending from corporates? It's it's remarkable. And Am I a corporate? I'm not a corporate, right? Uh, I don't know. Mm. Are LLCs corporates? A corporate just means body, related to a body. Corporal punishment. Corpus. Mm. And it's, by the way, every CEO must make this investment now because, you know, we're post-pandemic. And we're not just post-pandemic, we're post-pandemic after effects of all the inflation and the interest rates and all that kind of nightmare that we went through in the last couple of years, we're post that. So now we're really in this moment where CEOs can say, yeah, give me more margin. And our job is to say, here's the formula for you. And for us, that is connect with your customers in a whole new way. Mm -hmm. If you can connect with your customer in a whole new way, we're going to show you to grow your business and how to grow your margin. And I was just in Japan, actually, I like to tell a great story and it was really cool yeah it's really cool and we're the second largest software company in japan and i uh was as a consumer i was excited to be in japan because the yen is depressed 
so everything's like 30% off. So you're in Louis Vuitton as our customer there, and I oh, you can't excited say in the store, and then I went to... He's pinching his pennies. He's got to watch his budget, yeah. John. Okay. i got to watch Piana, the budget, so I'm going to Louis Vuitton. And also part of the LVMH group, and I love these like luxury retailers, and we work with them. We know. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm in the Laura Piana store, and the salesperson comes up to me, obviously speaking in Japanese, and they have a phone with them, and they're saying, who are you, and so forth, and I'm, they're putting my name into their phone, and my whole customer record comes up, everything I've ever bought from Laura Piana. That could be embarrassing, honestly. It's kind of creepy. It is. And they said, Mr. Benioff, just one moment. And they went in the back of the store, disappeared for a We're few moments, came back out seven, that. two weeks ago. And they said, this jacket, which actually I just bought. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Nice. This jacket I, I just picked up in Tokyo. And yeah, it was incredible price, the qual- incredible quality. It fit me right out of the shop. Okay, that's the least believable thing he said. That's that he found a, sh- a jacket in the Gucci store, wherever that was, that <laughs> fit him in right Tokyo. The- There's no way. He's a large man. Yeah, he's like triple their height. He's, he's larger than life. <laughs> Isn't he like 6'6"? Six, six? I mean, maybe they do stock that in normal stores. I don't know. But I, I picked up on this. It's a new way for the rich to stay rich. They just go to somewhere where, where the dollar's worth more. I know. I need to be able to do that. What's yeah. a, what does a flight to Japan cost? Mm. I couldn't believe it. And the AI and Salesforce... Put it all together, and I was like, if I can do this for every company like we've done it for LVMH or for Gucci or for so many of our customers who are here, I think that this will increase revenue, and I believe that AI is a critical technology to help these companies do that. Well, how do you do that with also balancing cost-effective plans? I mean, obviously, Salesforce, one of the companies that we're talking about, potential mass layoffs. Um, What can you tell us about that? Last week, of course, Salesforce uh, denied that you were in a hiring freeze. Uh, Tell me where you are in terms of hiring. Well, we're constantly making changes to our business because this is a moment where we can adjust our business to really focus on what's selling and what's working. And what's working and what's selling today is not as what was selling and working five years ago. I think we all know that, you know, when we were in the pandemic. So we're now in a new world. And so the exciting part for us is to really adjust our business to offer those solutions. And uh, that's what I'm working on every single day to make our business as strong as it can be, to deliver these margins, to deliver the cash flow, which has been extraordinary, and to make our customers happy. What should customers expect in terms of pricing? It's a good non-answer. Well, I think customers can continue to see that we're offering a lot of value, and we want to make sure they have that capability. Uh, We did have an interesting moment this year where we really could say to them, hey, we have some new products also. So one of the things that we introduced this year was our data cloud. And you're not going to get the value from AI if you don't have data, you know. You have to buy all the products, John. Are they just... Of course. (laughs) I mean, I do. I have always said, like... Salesforce is definitely like an enterprise play. And if you just, if you're buying one small piece of it, it's the value proposition is just not this near strong. Yeah. Consumer AI is like this really interesting thing where you have these like co-pilots and then you have these large language models and then you have all this stolen data that they picked up from all these media Damn companies and they put it all together and that's the consumer product. The enterprise AI is very different. Enterprise AI is how do we use your data that you must have trust around and control around to be able to deliver that value through the large language model to your employee or to your customer. Mm-hmm. And we're only going to do that through through data cloud. 
and building data clouds for customers is what we've really been focusing on. More acquisitions this year? What's that? More acquisitions this year? Well, we're always looking at, we've done 60 acquisitions, yeah. you know that, and we actually just did a small acquisition. We bought a little company called AirKit, which was very cool, AI company, and uh, we're always looking around for things. And, uh, and would we'll, that be investing more in AI? Is that well, where the acquisition potential is? I think you have to look at, number one, you know, we're gonna, if we're going to do a big acquisition, it's going to have to be an accretive acquisition. It's going to have to be non-dilutive. Yeah. It's going to have to have a certain structure. We're at a size and scale now that when we do acquisitions, it's not going to be how we used to do acquisitions. It has to be done in a new way. We're always going to do these little tuck-ins, you know, where you pick up a little team here. This company's failing, but they got 20 engineers you want to put them in your pocket. But on the big ones, you have to be a lot more cautious today. That's just what investors want. And that's something that I think that everyone is really mindful about. I think it's a great example playing those two different interviews back to back of how a good journalist can make you seem or make you better um, at your responses. Because that uh, the other responses made Benioff just seem just not not there, not on his game. Yeah, I agree. But this one, he really seemed on his game, and every every answer he gave was really constructive and something I could get behind and even agree, even understand, even the non answers. We're good, not yep, answers. Yep. I think it's easy to get sucked into that trap of, of journalists that are real friendly to you. Yeah. You know, it's easy. Um, it's easy to, to, to go do those interviews because, you know, you're not going to get any hard questions. Right. But. But Benioff can handle those questions. I, I think so. He's and, shown that over and over. And, and to your point, I mean, he I think he responds better against that, yeah. some actual a little bit so. of pressure. Um, I think so. And, it, and he comes off looking better. Yeah. In those. You know, I don't think I, I mean that. Yahoo sycophant and and who's the CNBC old man uh, Jim Cramer? I mean, yeah. um, those those don't make Benioff look good. No, we invest in America. <laughs> he has no idea. <laughs> oh, John. Well, I do have more, but man, uh, I don't think we have anyone left listening. And my stomach is grilling, and we're gonna go get some dinner, aren't we tonight? Yeah, this is a special. This is y'all. This is a special uh, episode for John and I because we're actually gonna go do something together. It's a date night. It is a date night, and we, it's been so long <laughs> since we've done anything together other than to uh, record a podcast. Even that's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. We haven't even shared a beer in a while. We haven't, I know. Outside the podcast, yeah, I mean. right. No, it has been. Yep. All right. Well, uh, this has been an almost two-hour episode of the Good Day Sir podcast. Dear, uh, gosh, community member or potential future community member listening right now um we have a uh, we have our own slack team a slack team a slack workspace um that this community uh con- congregates in and uh and um we use it for uh, therapy sessions we use it for comic relief and we use it for uh technic- tech support business support strategic support all kinds of stuff it's a it's a good crowd um and if you're not if you're not in, you, you really, you, you know, you're missing out. Um, so go to www.gooddayserpodcast.com and click on community and join. Uh, we also have an in, uh, email address. You can send us topics to discuss on the show, which we think are fun. So please do that. Info at gooddayserpodcast.com. Uh, what else, John? Don't use Eclipse. Uh, don't use the ant migration tool anymore. <laughs> you need to migrate. Yeah. What else, John? That's it. That is you it. Covered it all. And to that, I say good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.
AI is anything that kind of makes the system seem smart. They slap the AI on it when it's really just pattern matching. The World Economic Forum, also known as the Davos Summit, I call it the biggest gathering of global hypocrites uh, in history. Oh my gosh.